Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a warm welcome to everyone who has joined us in church this morning for worship of our triune God. A special welcome to any visitors uh, and guests who have joined us today, including via the live stream. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and may God be praised by our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. In order to fill the vacancy for four elders and two deacons, Consistory is nominated for the office of Elder, the brothers A. Bolhos, S. Brand, T. Everts, C. Hitting, F. Oosthuizen, J. Vendongen, J. Vermeulen and M. Visser. And for the office of Deacon, brothers P. Husinger, A. Milder, M. Pott and J. Dyke. The election is scheduled for Sunday the 8th of October following the morning service. You are advised that Classis North will be convened by the Free Reformed Church of Kelmscott on Friday the 20th 20th of November, commencing at 9am. The main item on the agenda will be the examination of candidate Tim Slar. Attestations have been requested by Sister Heather Bosch to the Free Reformed Church of Comet Bay and Brother Mitchell Visser to the Elder Grove Canadian Reformed Church. We wish them God's blessings in their new congregation. This morning the worship service will be led by Reverend Poppy and before we commence the worship service, let us sing together hymn 85 verse 1. Please rise and let's worship the Lord. As God's people, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's sing a song of praise to our God. Let's sing together from Psalm 33, verse 1.
Let's now submit ourselves to the covenant law of God. Let's do so this, this morning by listening to the words of God's law as it comes to us in Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and who keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's now make a confession of our sin against the Lord. And let's, let's also ask him thereafter for the forgiveness of all our sins. First, let's, let's do so by singing from Psalm 79, verse 3. now call upon the Lord in prayer and let's ask him for his blessing.
Almighty God and Father in heaven, you are the, the Lord, the God who's made a covenant together with his people. Lord, we, we thank you that you have done this. Thank you that you have an intention to bless your people and that you made promises to us because you wish to bless us. And thank you, Lord, that the greatest promise you've offered us is the promise of yourself, that you promise to be our God who will love us and care for us, who will open his heart to us and who will have relationship with us. And Lord, along with his promise, you also call us to respond to that and to be your people. You call us to love you with all our heart, to be devoted to you with loyalty. You call us, Father, to set you in the center of our lives and to seek to know you, to walk with you and to honor you. Father, thank you that you teach us that we may have this relationship with you. And thank you that you make it possible for us by offering yourself to us. Thank you also that you sustain this relationship by sending your son, Jesus Christ, into this world on our behalf. We've just heard your law, Lord. and We've just sang together from Psalm 79. We were convicted of our sins. and We realized that we don't always love you as we should. We don't always put you in the center of our lives. And we're sorry about that. And we repent of our sin. And we ask for your grace and forgiveness. Do not impute our sins to us, Lord. But for Jesus' sake, please wash us clean and make us whole once again. Father, thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ loved you with a whole heart. Thank you that he was devoted to you in loyalty. And thank you, Lord, that he did it on our behalf, that when we trust in you, that his righteousness is ours. And so for his sake, Lord, we pray that you would shine your face upon us, that you would bless us, and that you give us a good time in fellowship together with you. We love to come into your presence, Lord. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you that we can sing songs to you, that we're able to, to pray to you and that you will hear us and that you're delighted with these things. Thank you also, Lord, that you give us your word. We're here to hear of who you are and what you have done for us. And we pray for a blessing over the preaching. Grant, Lord, that we may be encouraged in our faith in you, that more and more we trust in Jesus Christ, that we realize what kind of God you are and that we love you with all our heart. Please do these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, this morning I'm going to continue with you in, in examining the covenant that God made with us. Last time we had a chance to read together from Exodus 17, when God first established the covenant together with Abram and with his descendants. I'd like to read that with you again, just to refresh our minds about, about those covenant promises that God has made. So we're going to read together Genesis 17, the verses 1 through 8. Find on page 14 of your guest Bible. In Genesis 17, starting at verse 1 there, the Lord says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. 
And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So far the reading of God's word, let's now sing of of the Lord's faithfulness to his covenant, his covenant promises and his faithfulness to them. Psalm 103, the verses 1, 2, and 3. text for the sermon this morning is taken from the book of Exodus. 
We're going to consider Exodus chapter 6, the verses 1 through 8. Just before the Lord acts to fulfill his covenant promises to his people to bring them out of Egypt and bring them into the promised land, he first reminds them of the promises that he extended to them, and he, he fleshes out what his intention was with those promises. So in Exodus 6 here, find that on page 57, we're going to start reading at verse 1, and we're going to read the first eight verses. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall... Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Then after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing together from Psalm 103 once again. This time the verses 5, 6, and 7. Dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, what stands at the heart of God's covenant dealings together with you is his desire to bless you. The Lord is a good God, and his heart is filled with love and kindness. It is his joy to grant life to those who are under his care. And to that end, he, he enters into a covenant and at root, the covenant we saw last week, it is a promise to bless. God extends promises to his people with the intention of blessing. Sometimes those promises are universal. We saw that with Genesis 9. The Lord made a covenant with Noah, with his descendants, with the animals, with all creation. He said, I will never again destroy the world with the flood. You can mess it up. You can do a lot of sin. But I promise you that I'm never going to do again what I did here. I'm not going to destroy all living people off the face of the earth because of their sins. And so until Christ comes back, we don't have to live with this fear in the back of our hearts that one day God may come down and judge all the earth as he has. And then the Lord has also made a covenant with Abraham. He promised to bless him and his descendants. And he extended three blessings. He says, in the first place, Abram, I promise to give you many descendants. Actually, 
there's going to be many nations that come from you. And then second, he said, I promise to give you the land of Canaan. I'm going to bring you into the land of promise. And the third place, he said, I promise to give you myself. I will be your God, and you can be my people. Now, it's one thing to receive a promise, brothers and sisters. It's a beautiful thing. Someone makes a promise to you. But it's quite something else to receive what has been promised. Abram had the promise of descendants, but he needed to wait 25 years until the Lord actually fulfilled that promise. But he trusted God. He believed that God could do it. And so he waited on God for those 25 years. And when the time was finally up, when Sarah finally had a baby, then her heart was just filled with joy. Well, you might know something about what it's like to receive promises. Maybe your dad promised you that when it's your birthday, that you're allowed to get a phone. Or maybe your boyfriend promised you that one day he's going to get married to you. Or maybe your boss promised you that you're going to get a promotion. It's great to get those promises, but it's even far greater to get the fulfillment. The really sad thing is that not everyone lives up to their promises. Sometimes people make promises and they break them. And in fact, it happens so often to us that people break promises that at times we can become cynical. We can even become jaded. Well, the great gift of God is that he always keeps his promises. If you want to know anything about the Lord, that one of the most foundational things you need to know about him is that he is a God who is true to his word. He will do what he has promised. And that's an incredible blessing because it leads to stability, to security, to peace. If God has said he's going to do something, then I know that I can count on that and I can build my life on that. This morning we're going to see how the Lord emphasizes his faithfulness in fulfilling his covenant promises. I preach God's word to you with this theme, the Lord is the faithful God who will fulfill his covenant promises. And we're going to see three, three things. In the first place, why he's called the Lord. Secondly, is the covenant conditional? And finally, what hope do we have? So first, why is he called the Lord? Well, what does it look like to live in covenant relationship with God? One of the most foundational things, like I just said, is that you experience the faithfulness of the Lord. Abram's promised a son, and he believed God, and 25 years later, he had a son. Well, by the end of Genesis, we're told that there were 70 people who left Canaan and who went to Egypt. Not quite a great nation. He had descendants, he had quite a few descendants, but 70 isn't that high of a number. But once you get to the book of Exodus, you see that it's totally different. Exodus 1 verse 7, the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. God had said, Genesis 17 verse 6, that you will be very fruitful. And here in Exodus 1, we see that the Lord fulfills that promise. He is a faithful God. He does what he promises. 
It's in the following chapters that the Lord explains to Moses his intention to fulfill his other promises as well. He had promised the Israelites the gift of the land of Canaan. He said in Genesis 15, he says, for 400 years, they're first going to be, cur- they're first going to be oppressed. They're going to be treated as slaves. They're going to be mistreated. But he says, at the right time, in 400 years, I'm going to bring them back out of that land, and I'm going to bring them to the land of Canaan, the land of your sojournings. I promise that I'm going to give this land to them. Well, just before he acts to fulfill those promises, then Moses comes to the Israelites and he reminds the people of what God promised. He says in verse 4 and verse 6 of our text, he says, this is what God promised to do. He promised to bring us up from here and he promised to bring us back into the land of Canaan. And so what the Lord does here, brothers and sisters, is that he reveals his character. The reason God redeems his people, brings them out of Egypt and back to Canaan, is because he is a faithful God, because he keeps his word. And it's really striking how the Lord emphasizes that here in our text. If you go to verse 6, to chapter 6, you look at verse 2, and you look at verse 8, then those two verses, the Lord bookends what he's going to do with the statement, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I appear to Abram. Isaac and Jacob is God Almighty, but I didn't reveal myself as the Lord. And then he tells them about the promises. He's going to fulfill his promises. And verse 8, he ends off with the words, I, I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. And so in verse 2 and 8, he emphasizes, I'm the Lord. And he actually repeats it again in verse 6. He wants his people to know that he is the Lord. And then he makes a lot of that in between there. In between, he explains what he's really doing there. He says, I appeared to Abram, to Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. And so back in the old days, back in when, when Abram first met with the Lord, the Lord said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And then God said, I'm going to give you these great promises. One, two, three. And the whole point there is he's saying, Abram, I have the power to do this. You can trust me. You can believe in me because I'm God Almighty. And so I can bring to pass what I promise you. But now in Exodus, we're 400 years down the track. The Lord, he says, I told told you that I was God Almighty, but now I want you to know more about me. I want you to know that I am the Lord. I am who I am. I am the faithful covenant God. And it was back in Exodus 3 that the Lord revealed this part of his character to Moses. God chose Moses. God sent him to the people in Egypt. And Moses asked them, he says, well, what am I supposed to say? These people are going to wonder, who are you? What do I tell them? And God said to Moses, you tell them, I am who I am. I'm the God who's made promises to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm acting to fulfill those promises. And so the name Yahweh, the name the Lord, capital letters, L-O-R-D, it is the name that's associated with God's faithfulness to his covenant promises. God's saying, I'm not just El Shaddai, but I'm Yahweh, and you can build your life on the promises that I've extended to you. Now, when the Lord says that his people didn't know him as the Lord, it's not to say that they didn't know the name. 
It's already back in Genesis 4, verse 26. The Lord already revealed his name. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. So that's the story of Cain and Abel. So right at the very beginning, the Lord revealed the name, the Lord. But during that time, the people didn't know about God's covenant faithfulness to his promises. And so what he does here is, is when he fulfills his promise to you, then he, he reveals that part of his character to you. He says, you need to understand that I am a faithful God. And so whenever you read the name, the Lord, in the Bible, brothers and sisters, capital L-O-R-D, if you read the name Yahweh in the scriptures, then in your head, the first thought you should have is that this is the covenant God. This is the one who's faithful to his promises. God is reminding me somewhere, somehow, some way in this passage that he made promises to me. And he's reminding me that he's faithful to those promises. Well, that leads to, to the next question, brothers and sisters. If God is faithful to those promises, does that mean that, that I can always expect him to fulfill every promise that he's made to me? When you think about that, first have to think about what promises has God made to you. And if you are baptized then God's made three pretty profound promises to you. As a father, he's promised to be your father, to be your God, who loves you, who cares for you. He's included you in his family, and he's promised to look after you. And Jesus Christ has promised to forgive all your sins. He's promised to take all your sins upon himself. And the Holy Spirit's promised to live in your heart, to give you faith, to comfort you, to strengthen you, to preserve you through to the end. Those are the, the greatest promises that God has extended to you. But if you actually read the Bible, you'll see that there's a whole bunch more promises that God has also extended to you. The Bible's littered with promises. He's promised, for example, Matthew 6, verse 33, that if you need anything, if you need food or drink or anything else in all the world, God's promised to give that to you. He says there, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You don't have to worry about whether you're going to make your mortgage or where your next meal is going to come from because God said, I'm going to look after you. I promise that I'll provide. Or in James 4, verse 7, he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I promise you that if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Or the next verse, James 4, verse 8, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God has promised you if you draw near to him, if you seek his face, then he will draw near to you. He will reveal himself to you. Or John 14, verse 14, our Lord Jesus Christ promised us, he says, if you ask anything in my name, if you need anything at all to live in a relationship with God, he says, just ask me and I will do it. Whatever you need, just ask and I'll do it for you. If you read through the scriptures, there's hundreds of promises that God has extended to you. Well, then you wonder to yourself, am I going to receive all these promises? Or are these promises in some way conditional? It's a really important question, brothers and sisters. To answer the question, we have to remember in the first place what we saw last week. 
God is the one who took the initiative in establishing the covenant. God is the one who approached Noah and who made a covenant with him and who said to him, Noah, I intend to bless you in all creation. I promise that I'm never going to wipe mankind off the face of the earth again. He had this intention to bless. He took the initiative and he established this covenant with Abram with all creation. The Lord did the same thing to Abraham. Abram and his father and his fathers are worshiping other gods beyond the river. And the Lord approaches Abraham and he, he establishes this covenant with him. He says, Abram, I want you to leave your father's land. I want you to come with me to a new land that I'm going to show you. And then he extends these promises to him. As an act of grace, he establishes this covenant with Abraham. It's not dependent on who Abram is. It's not dependent on what Abraham had done. It's simply as an act of God's grace and initiative that he establishes this covenant together with him. And at root, the covenant is an intention to bless. I'm a good God, and I want to bless you. And so I'm taking the initiative as an act of grace to enter a special relationship with you so that I can bless you. And that blessing, it's not dependent upon you in the first place. It's based on my initiative. And it's dependent upon my character. And then what God shows us is that he shows us that his covenant is not only established by grace, but it's also maintained by grace. We're reading here in Exodus, shortly after this time, the Israelites, they're brought out of Egypt, and the Lord brings them to, to Sinai, and he meets together with them at Sinai. And Moses receives the law from the Lord, he brings it down to the people, he gives the people the law, and then he goes back up the mountain, and for 40 days he's on top of the mountain, the Lord's giving him all the other laws. Well, how long were the people faithful to the Lord? He just established this covenant with them. He just gave them his covenant law. And two weeks later, they break the law. And they make a golden calf. And so if God wanted to, he could have wiped them out then and there. Could have been over. You're done. You're not keeping the covenant. It's all over. But the covenant is maintained by grace. And so the Lord listens to Moses' intercession, and he extends grace, and he doesn't wipe out those people off the face of the earth. And so on one level, brothers and sisters, the covenant is not only initiated by grace, but it's also maintained by grace. It is God's gracious intention to bless his people, and he takes it upon himself to make that happen. And yet, on another level, the covenant is also conditional on a response of faith. Abram is the father of all believers because he believed God, and because he acted on God's covenant promises. God came before him, and God said to him, Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. And God said to him, I want you to believe that I'm going to give you a son. And the scripture says that Abram believed. He trusted God. He was an old man. He's 75 years old. But he trusted God. He said, God, if you promise, I know that you can do. 
But I'm believing that. And I'm going to stake my life on that. And that's why he is the father of all believers. He fulfilled the condition of the covenant. And so he received the promises of the covenant. Well, the same thing happens, brothers and sisters. You keep reading the Bible, and the Lord clearly shows that there is a conditional element to the covenant. God's really saying the only way that he's going to fulfill the promises he's extended to you is if you accept those promises in faith, and if you walk in obedience before him. The reality is that God not only gave covenant promises and blessings for those who obey, he also said there's a covenant curse for those people who disobey. He gives what's most precious to you, brothers and sisters. He says, I'm going to give you everything you need. And on top of that, I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to give you my son. And then he says, if you disregard me, if you don't love me, if you don't care about this incredible, rich, precious promise that I gave you, if you don't care about the relationship that I offer you, and if you look down on that and disdain that, then instead of blessing, then you get covenant curse. And he spelled it out for his people. He was very clear with them. Deuteronomy, you have this, this chapter where you have very long, all the, the, the blessings of the covenant, the first 15 verses, but then the rest of the chapter, you have 68 verses of covenant curse, Deuteronomy 48. And the same thing happens in Leviticus 26. You have the first part of the chapter is covenant blessings, and the rest of the chapter is covenant curse. The reality is, brothers and sisters, is that the Lord calls us to respond in faith to the promises of the gospel. God told his people, if you don't believe the promise, you're not getting it. If you don't believe that I'm going to bring you into the promised land, that you don't share. If you don't serve the Lord, if you start to wor worship Baal or Ashtoreth, if you start to worship money or pleasure, and God says, instead of receiving my blessing, you're going to rest under my curse. That's a really, it's an important thing for us to reflect on, brothers and sisters. Sometimes we think that because we've received the promise, we automatically will receive what has been promised. The Lord is very clear with his people. It's not automatic. It's based on faith. It's based on a response of faith where you obey, where you walk in covenant faithfulness. Amos was faced with people who thought that since God had promised, had made promises to them, that he'd automatically fulfill those promises. He told them, God told his people in Amos 3 verse 2, that neither election itself, nor the exodus itself in Amos 9 verse 7, nor the land itself, in Amos 2 verse 10, was any guarantee that they wouldn't come under God's judgment. They, saw, they thought, we're the covenant people. We've been given the land. We've gone through the exodus. We're going to get everything that God has promised. And Amos said to them, that's not the way it works. Because you're not combining the promise with faith. They were living in blatant disobedience to the demands of the covenant. They were trampling the poor, they were crushing the needy, they were taking bribes, they were committing violence. They had rejected the Lord. And so the Lord said, instead of covenant blessing, 
he says, I'm going to bring down in you the covenant curse. The same thing in Jeremiah 7. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. We are the people of God because we have God in our midst and we have his temple. Jeremiah told the people, he says, you can't set your hope just in the fact that you have the temple. You have to respond with faith, with obedience to the promises. That temple was destroyed because of the people's lack of faith. And in the very place where that temple was destroyed, another temple was rebuilt, and the Lord Jesus Christ had the same discussion together with the chief priests and the scribes. They were so proud of their election as children of Abraham. And God says, the sad reality is that you are not children of Abraham because you do not do what Abram did. You do not believe in the promise of God. The only way to share in the covenant promises, brothers and sisters, is by faith that you believe that God will do what he said he would do. And so to get back to the the first question, brothers and sisters, is the covenant conditional or is it not conditional? Well, it really depends on what you're talking about. The establishment of the covenant itself is not conditional. God establishes his covenant as an act of his gracious, gracious initiative. He wants to make a covenant because he intends to bless. And he makes that covenant simply because he is gracious. There's nothing in us that, that makes us deserve to have a covenant relationship with God. And he's not obligated to continue in a covenant relationship with us because of anything that we have done. The covenant calls us to faith and obedience. But it's neither based on our response, nor is it motivated by it. God simply acts on his own initiative. And in establishing the covenant, it is unconditional. It's a free gift of your faithful father towards you. But it is conditional in the sense that whether or not you personally are going to share in the covenant, it's dependent upon whether or not you believe that God will do what he has promised he would do. God promised the Israelites that the walls of Jericho would come crashing down. But the only way it happened is when the people followed his command and marched around them seven times. God promised the widow of Zarephath that her oil would not run out. Her flour would not run out. But the only way she received the covenant promise is if she first believed that this would happen by taking the last of her oil and flour and making a loaf of bread for Elijah. God has promised you that if you need wisdom, that all you need to do is ask for it. But the only way that promise is fulfilled is if you actually ask for it. You have to trust that God can do that for you. You have to ask him to give it to you. You must believe the promises of God. You must take them to heart. You must live out of them. If your claim to being a Christian is not matched by a life of faith and obedience, then you will not receive what God has promised in his covenant. 
in our real life for us, brothers and sisters, what it means for us today is that you can sit here every Sunday, but if you're just putting in time, and if your heart isn't in it, and if you really don't believe in the Lord, if you don't care about him, if the real goal of your life is a nice steak and a nice bottle of wine and a nice house and a nice cruiser and a nice caravan, and if it's matched by a lifestyle where you rip people off and you cheat on your taxes and you take advantage of the weak and the needy and you drink too much and give in to your other vices, then God says, you're not my child and you will not receive what I have promised. Covenant promises must be accepted in faith. It's the only way we share in what has been promised. If you don't have faith, and if you don't repent, then instead of covenant blessing, then you will receive the covenant curse. And then just one last thought about the covenant being conditional or not. So what happens if you break the covenant together with all the people around you? You know, sometimes that happens. You have this group think. Everybody is in the same place, doing the same thing. Certain sins become acceptable and they spread like measles. Well, if everybody sins, is God's promise going to come to an end? Will it be nullified because of the disobedience of the many people? If you want to, to understand how it works, then maybe a good example is the promise of land. God's covenant promises will not be nullified. He will accomplish what he sets out to do because it is his intention to bless. And so when it came to the gift of land, you had this generation of Israelites, they were reminded of the promise, they were brought out of Egypt, they came to Sinai, they were once again reminded of the promise, and they head on their way to the promised land. But when they got to the borders of Canaan, then they listened to the ten spies who said to them, we don't think we're ever going to take this place because the people are giants and the cities have huge walls and we're never going to be able to do it. And they rejected the advice of Joshua and Caleb who said, the Lord has promised. Let's go because the Lord says he's going to do it for us. Well, since they rejected the promise, that whole generation did not enter. Not one of those who were 20 or older entered into the promised land. But it didn't nullify the promise. God still gave Canaan to the Israelites. It was the next generation, and when you read through the book of Numbers, you see they had a different spirit because they accepted the promise in faith. God said, let's go, and they said, let's go. And so in faith, they accepted what God had promised, and the Lord gave it to them. And they conquered the land, and Canaan was given to the Israelites as the Lord had promised. God's covenant promises will stand, brothers and sisters. He is the Lord, the faithful covenant God, who will fulfill his gracious promises to his people. You never have to doubt that. 
The only question is whether personally you will share. And God says it is through faith that you can be sure that you will share. Well, that's a real problem for us, brothers and sisters. Because then the question becomes, what hope do we really have? Isn't it true that we're a lot more like the ten spies than Joshua and Caleb? Isn't it true that so often we are not faithful, that our hearts are fickle, and that we do go astray? If I could ask you to just think about that for yourself for a minute. Are there any areas in your life in which you have made some little compromises? Does your conscience today accuse you in any way? And do you try to steal your conscience without actually dealing with the issue? Has apathy crept into the corner of your heart? Is it something that you quietly nurse? You allow it to keep growing? You, know, you read the story of the Old Testament. There were times where the light shone brightly. There were some generations where there was great faith in God. During the time of Moses, during the time of Joshua, some of the judges, especially David and Solomon, and then a few of the kings. But you know, the, the bigger story, the more common experience, is that there was a general morass of sinfulness and apathy, and unbelief. More often than not, the people didn't believe the promise. It got so bad that the very promises that God extended to Abraham were called into question. The gifts of land, the gifts of posterity, and the gifts of the Lord himself were not only threatened, but they were even lost. The people were exiled out of the land. They were scattered among the nations. They were no longer one nation, but they were scattered throughout the nations. And the Lord left his temple. And he explicitly said to his people, he says, you are not my people and I am not your God. They lost the promise through unbelief. If God's covenant promises depended upon us, then that's where it would have ended. It would have been over. But he is the Lord. He is the faithful covenant God who will fulfill his promises. He has an intention to bless, and he will accomplish that intention. And the way he has done so is by making a new covenant with us. He has sent his son, born of a woman, born in our nature, with our nature, in our flesh, in order to do for us what we have failed to do for ourselves. Christ came as a human being, and he lived in faith and in obedience before his Father in heaven. He trusted God's gracious promise. He loved his Father with all his heart. He did everything that his Father told him to do. And it is through Christ that God has fulfilled the promises he extended to Abraham. He promised him many descendants even nations. And Isaiah, he explains it. When the people were about to go into exile, Isaiah says, but don't forget the promise. Don't undermine the reality. 
It's in Isaiah 49, verse 6. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserve of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. When the Lord Jesus Christ came to this world, he was a light to the nations. He brought kingdoms and nations to himself. When Paul is preaching the gospel, Acts 13, 47, he quotes this text. And he says that this text is fulfilled through his preaching to the Gentiles. Abram becomes the father of nations and kingdoms through the proclamation of the gospel to the Gentiles. There are many people through Christ who share in God's promise. Or to take God's promise of land, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They were about to become strangers and sojourners. They're about to travel through the desert for 40 years. They're longing for their own land. They're longing for the fulfillment of the promise. Well, it's given in part when they come in to the, to the land of Canaan. God fulfills that. But in Christ, he fulfills that in a far greater way. What we long for is we long for rest for our souls. We long for a place to call home. We long to be home, to be at peace, to be at rest. And this is the gift of God in Christ for you. When you believe in Jesus Christ, then you receive his peace and his rest. Then he brings you into his house, into his home, into his church. He establishes churches throughout the world and he calls them his house and he says this is the place where you get to meet together with his people and you may be at rest and you may experience his peace in your life a couple of weeks ago my son and Mitchell Visser they traveled across Canada and America and as they went across took them six weeks eight weeks as they went across they got to meet with many of God's people and they said it was an incredible experience. You're on the other side of the world. And you meet with these people, and they are God's people. And you come to a place, and you feel that you're at home. You go to the next church, and you feel that you're at home. And they found these homes all across America. Well, the Lord, he brings us together by faith in him, so that we have a home, brothers and sisters. And it's a foreshadowing of the far greater promise, the greater fulfillment of that promise. We come into the promised land where the Lord brings us face to face with himself and we get to be home, our final home. And then the greatest fulfillment will receive the greatest fulfillment the Lord has promised us himself. He lived among his people in the holies of holies. He revealed his character more and more through the history of his dealings with his people. It reached a high point when Jesus Christ came to this earth. God is no longer hidden in the most holy place, but God was among his people, and he spoke to them, and he talked with them, and he revealed himself to them. And it's a foreshadowing of a far greater time where the fulfillment of God's promise is going to be made at the end of time. Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and he will be their God, and they will be his people. The time is coming when we get to live face to face with our Father in heaven. We get to go home and we get to be there with all God's people.
Well, these are the promises that God has extended, that God has fulfilled through his son, Jesus Christ. And so the great calling for us, brothers and sisters, is that we believe in the Lord Jesus, that we trust him to do it for us, and that through the powerful working of his spirit in our hearts, that we believe the promise, that we lean forward and live in expectation of God fulfilling his promise to us. He is the covenant God. He is faithful. He will do for you what he has promised. So search the scriptures and know the promises and build your life on them. Amen. Let's sing together of God's gracious character and his dealings with us, Psalm 103, the verses 5, 6, and 7.
Let's now call upon the Lord in thanksgiving and prayer. In our prayer this morning, we'll also remember several members of our congregation. First place, our sister, Samantha Pott. She, um, she fell and she broke her elbow. So she's in the hospital for a few days to receive surgery for that. We'll ask for a blessing over her healing. Also, Brother Hank Plug. He had another one of these brain bleeds, and so he's hospitalized for another few days this past week, and so we'll pray that God be near to him. Also, our sister Frances Jensen, she uh, had an infection, quite a serious infection, so she needed IV. She's currently in the hospital right now. And we'll also pray for sister Sandra Dingle. Um, her sister-in-law, uh, Margaret Sloeb, um, passed away this past week. So we'll pray that God would comfort her during this time as well. Let's pray to the Lord. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we thank and praise you that you are the Lord, the faithful covenant God. Thank you, Lord, that as a gracious act that you established your covenant with us. You didn't have to do that, but you did it because you're a God who's full of grace and mercy and love and kindness and compassion. You want to bless us and you want to bind us to yourself in, a, in an intimate relationship. And so you've made these incredible promises to us. Thank you, Lord, for the promise, not just of land, not just of, of descendants, not just of, of revealing yourself to your people as you did to, Mo, to Moses, but you, you promise these things in full measure. You promise the, the ultimate promised land, the, the gift of life with you in heaven, and you, you promise us, Lord, that we're going to come to heaven with people of all tribes and nations and languages and peoples. All these people from all over the world who believed in Jesus Christ get to share. You promise that we get to see you face to face. We get to live with you. We get to have intimate fellowship together with you. Father, thank you for the incredible promises that you've extended to us. We pray, Lord, that we may believe in them. We ask that you would work powerfully in our hearts through your Holy Spirit, that we accept these promises by faith, that we build our lives on them. Thank you, Lord, that you also extend so many more promises to us. On the way, on the journey, you want to bind us to yourself in an intimate relationship, and so you, you give us many beautiful promises, promises to care for us, promises to reveal yourself to us, promises to help us and to listen to us, to answer our prayers and to bless us. And so, Father, we pray that we may take these promises to heart. Help us to incorporate these promises into our prayers. Grant, Lord, that we may depend upon you to fulfill them. And we thank you, Lord, that you do so, that it is your great joy to accomplish what you have, what you have promised. And so, Lord, we, we come to you. The greatest promise is the gift of yourself. And so we, we want to remind you of your great promise that you said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And we ask that of you, Lord. We, we do draw near to you. We believe in you. We confess you to be the Lord, the faithful God. And that we ask you for the greatest gift, that you reveal yourself to us, that we may be your people, that you would love us, that you reveal yourself to us, and that you bless us. Thank you that you've done so in Christ. And thank you that through Christ, that you continue to do so today. And we ask that you make it a reality in all of our lives. Father, we also pray for the, for the gift of, of restored health. You've told us that you are the healer of your people. And we've had a number of members of our congregation who are, who are struggling because their health is, because of different things, struggles in their health. I want to bring our sister Samantha Pott to you. We want to thank you for the surgery that she could have this past week. 
We want to ask you, Father, for healing for her, that you bless the work of the doctors, that her elbow can heal and that things can go well for her. Please give her the peace of Christ, and we're thankful for the, for the faith and hope that you've given in our hearts. We also pray, Father, that you would please be with our sister Frances Jensen. We ask that you grant a blessing over the, the antibiotics that she receives, that she's able to get over this infection, that it may go well for her, that she can return home in due time, and that she may be restored to, to good health once again. Thank you that, that this is your joy. We also bring our brother Hank Plug to you, Lord. Our brother has many continual struggles with his health. In this past week, he was hospitalized again for a bunch of days. We want to entrust him to your throne of grace. We want to pray, Lord, that you also shine your face upon him. It's hard for us to ask you for healing, Lord. He has this, this genetic disease. It's fairly far progressed. It's a very serious matter. And we know that if you, if you wanted to, you could change it. You could make, it, you could make him healthy again. It doesn't seem that this is your plan. It seems rather, Lord, that you, that you help him through this time and that, that one day the day will come that you call him home to be with you again. And Father, we pray that you would please grant him healing in the meantime, that you grant him relief from some of the headaches, that you give him the ability to have time together with his family and that you shine your face on him and on them. Please... Show your love to them, and please care for them, and please be near to them. We also pray, Father, that you also take care of, of our sister, Honey Wagoner. Later this week, she's hoping to hear back of, about the biopsy that, that she had last week. Grant your, your enduring peace and comfort in her heart. Thank you so much that she's secure in your love towards her. Please bless the work of the doctors as they, they consider how to help her best. And then we also pray for comfort for for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. This past week, our sister Sandra Dingo heard the news that her sister, Margaret Sloan, passed away. Father, we want to entrust our sister to your throne of grace, and we pray that you would comfort her as well. Please grant that she may find hope in, in the promises that you've extended. Thank you so much that you tell us, Lord, that death is not the end, but that there is a resurrection from the dead that you promised to your people. Father, we, we have many people in our church who are also grieving the loss of loved ones. And we call to mind the promise of the resurrection, that one day we will be raised to life and live with Christ in a new world where there's no more sin, there's no more suffering, no more sickness, no more death. Thank you for that incredible promise. We pray, Lord, that you would give us comfort in the meantime, and that you help us to lean forward to this glorious future. Father, you are a very great God. You extend very rich promises to us, and we're, we're so blessed to know you and to walk with you. Help us to walk closely with you. Forgive us for the times where we fail. Be near to those in our congregation who struggle with doubt. We ask, Lord, that you would remind them of your great promises, that you draw them near to yourself. So many of our sons and daughters, so many of our loved ones, who, have, who are not walking in faith and obedience before you. Father, thank you that in extending your covenant to them, that it is your intention to bless them. You don't extend a covenant in order to curse people, but you extend it in order to bless. And so we plead upon your character and upon your name and upon your faithfulness that you bring them back, that you hold on to them, and that you, you grant your grace. And we pray these things not because of who we are, and not because of what they have done, but we pray these things for Jesus' sake, because of who he is, and because of your character, that you are the faithful God who extends covenant because you love to bless. Father, help us also to, 
to deal and to come to grips with the reality of the covenant curse to help us to realize that that your intention to bless will, will not be given if we show contempt towards you. Please give us mercy then, and please spare us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you have the opportunity to give your thank offerings to the Lord. We heard just a moment ago that it is God's intention that Jesus Christ is a light to the Gentiles, that many people may share in him. We're grateful that the Lord gives us the opportunity to also share the hope of the gospel with those in P&G. Your collections will be greatly received for this work, and after the collection, we'll sing together from hymn 71, the verses 1 and 2.
Receive now the blessing of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.